0: Amen. Thankful that God knows your name. Are you thankful tonight that God calls you a friend? Hallelujah. Not a subject. Hallelujah. Not an object, but he calls you and I friends. Let's give the Lord some praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise all across this house. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. It's going to be in the house of the Lord here tonight on this Wednesday night service. Amen. Good to see all of your smiling faces in the presence of the Lord. Amen. How many thankful they came to church tonight? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn open to the book of Matthew, chapter 5. Matthew, chapter 5, and verse number 7. And then to the book of Luke, chapter 6, verse 36 through 38. Amen. Just continuing on with our series, teaching us how to live a favorable, blessed life. Amen. Praise God. Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. I think they got the wrong verse up there. 5 and 7, chapter 5 and verse 7. If not, we're going to talk about Solomon begetting Rehoboam. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, that's a different verse. That's a completely different sermon tonight. But Matthew chapter 5 and verse 7, most of y'all got it. Blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Oh, there we go. Praise God. We got that. We got out of the NIV and moved over to the KJV. Praise God. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Luke chapter 6 and verse 36. I want to skip over just a couple of pages. Luke chapter 6, verse 36. Where the Lord declares, be ye therefore merciful. Everybody say merciful. As your father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Our world has this idea. They don't want to be judged. And yet, they have no problem being the judge. Judge. But right here it declares, judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you shall be forgiven. I want you to notice all the conditions. Amen. We talked about the unconditional love of God on Sunday. But tonight we're talking about all the conditions. Amen. Forgive and you shall be forgiven. Ready? We're going to take up an offering now. Give and it shall be given unto you. That's usually when we read that verse, right? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall God? Because these are not conditions of God, these are conditions of dwelling one with another shall men or other people give into your bosom for with the same measure that you meet or give it out withal it shall be measured to you again another verse we could read is you reap what you sow amen And I want to talk to us for a few moments tonight on what Jesus talked about. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the merciful. Would you set down your Bibles and let's pray all across this house. Hallelujah. I believe that, God, you have already anointed your word. And I believe that this is really how we're going to live a favorable, blessed life I really do believe this is what pleases you, because if it wasn't what pleases you, you would not have been taught about it and recorded it in your word. And God, I'm praying, Lord, that you'd help us to put this into our hearts and into the very fiber of our being, God, into our DNA as a people, as a church, even as individual Christians that are doing their best to seek you and to follow after you. God, help me to teach this word the way that you gave it to me in Jesus name. And everybody said, amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. you. May be seated. Amen. Blessed are the merciful. We have been studying these Beatitudes or these blessed life principles. Amen. The things that Jesus said would make your life blessed, happy, fulfilled. I think everybody in this house wants to be blessed, happy, and fulfilled. If you don't want to be blessed, happy and fulfilled, you can just tune out everything that I've been teaching and talking about. Amen. Because if you start implementing these things, you will live a blessed life. You will be a blessed individual. The first few beatitudes or blessings that we talked about, uh, primarily speaking of the spirit, they are going back to things like being empty, being without Or living a life of restraint, talking about the meek, talked about being poor in spirit, where you are in your spirit broke without resources, 100% reliant upon God. This is a, a space of emptiness. We talked about being those that mourn in their spirit, that feeling of loss or missing someone, that Consistent sensitivity towards God that you are now as if you are now mourning something or lacking something we talked about being meek, which again is not a weakness, but it is having this power inside of yourself. But but having to restrain it so that you could be a blessed individual. There is a man in emptiness, if you will, of enacting this force and enacting this power. And then last week we talked about those that are insatiable, those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And these are all about being empty, being without. Living inside of restraints. But the next three that we're going to talk about in our lessons, amen, are talking about being full. Man, it seems contradictory because he's telling us to be empty of all of these things. And now he's going to tell us that we need to be full of some things. Man, I've talked about it before, but it is not enough for you and I to just get out of hell we got to get into heaven, too. Praise God. We can't just get sin out of our heart. We've got to get righteousness put down into our heart. We can't just get all of the bad things out of us, but we've got to allow God to add some things into our spirit. Amen. To to prepare some things and put them down into our soul. We've got to be full of some things, too. Amen. We are not apostolic Amish where we just talk about what we're against. We also talk about what we're for. Amen. Hallelujah. These these next few things are things that we should have as abounding characteristics. Tonight, I'm going to spend my time focusing on being full of mercy. Mercy full. Amen. What is mercy? A lot of us have ideas about what mercy is. Amen. We, uh, we typically take life as we have perceived it or have we how, how we have felt it, and that's how we define things out. But in essence, mercy is the compassion and the kindness shown to someone whom it is in one's power to punish or to harm. It's not necessarily somebody that deserves it. Praise God. Amen. Mercy is shown to somebody that you've got power over. Mercy is also an act meant to relieve somebody of their suffering because you are again like the meek. You are in a place of power. Amen. Mercy is forbearance. Forbearance simply means patient self-control, restraint or tolerance. Amen. That is shown to somebody, especially to an offender or somebody, amen, that is subject to your power. It is when you are lenient or compassionate and it comes out in your treatment of that individual. We're going to talk about mercy tonight. Amen. Let me first and foremost, amen, go to the word of the Lord. Psalms chapter 103 and verse number 8. The Bible declares that the Lord is merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger plenteous in mercy he will not always chide neither will he keep his anger forever he has not dealt with us after our sins and he has not rewarded us according to our iniquities is there anybody that's thankful that that's the kind of God that you serve is there anybody that's grateful That the Lord is merciful to you. That the Lord does not deal with us as our sins should be deserving of. uh, That he does not deal with us uh, according to the way we've lived. According to the way we've acted. According to the way we've treated one another. I think we ought to give God praise for his mercy. Hallelujah. It is over 40 times in the Bible that it declares that the Lord's mercy endures forever. I want to tell somebody today that you are in a merciful church. You are in a house of mercy. You are in a place where we worship the God of mercy. Mercy is not a concept of pagan religions. Mercy is a representation of the one true living God. There is no God like our God. There is no God that forgives. I want to tell you that the God we serve is full of mercy. The God we serve is slow to wrath. The God we serve has mercy that endures forever. I think we ought to give God praise. Your sins do not endure forever. Your mistakes do not endure forever. His mercy endures forever. His mercy endures from generation to generation. He shows mercy upon thousands of them that love him. I think we ought to give God praise here tonight. I'm thankful that we don't serve the gods of religion. Amen. I want to tell you that we are not sitting in a Muslim church here today. Amen. And I'm not here to bash on Muslims, that everything is earned. Everything is worked for. Everything is based on how submitted you are and how righteous you are. Amen. It's it's nothing more than Old Testament religion. Amen. It's not dependent on that. His mercies endure forever. He does not deal with you and I as our sins deserve. I think we look at that and go, well, yeah, no, yeah, I know that. Amen. We just write it off. But if we really thought about what our sins and our iniquities deserve, I think we'd have a bi- much bigger view of mercy. Amen. I think the problem with most of us is we don't realize how forgiven we really are. I think the issue is, is that we've been forgiven for too long that we forget what forgiveness really costs. I want to tell you, forgiveness costs you nothing, but forgiveness costs him everything. Mercy costs us nothing. We didn't have to pay for it. We didn't earn it. But it cost God everything. Uh, He sacrificed himself on Calvary so that you and I might live, amen, and have life eternal. I want to tell somebody that that very cross that Jesus died upon, that very grave in which Jesus was buried in, belonged to you and it belonged to me. That wasn't his cross. That was my cross. Hallelujah. In fact, the Bible says he took the cross. And as soon as he took the cross upon his back, amen, the next phrase says, so he took his cross. Amen. He took the cross, which what is the cross? The cross is where your sin should have been. The cross is where Evan Hood should have been. Uh, The cross is where every person that has ever visited Apostolic Revival Center or has never visited. Amen. That's where they deserve to be. But the Bible says he took your cross. He took the cross uh, and he made it his cross. And I want to tell somebody, you and I deserve to die in agony and in pain for everything we ever did wrong, for all of the sin that would have been what was right, that had have been what was just. We deserve the death penalty and we should have got it. But the Bible declares God does not deal with us as our sins and our iniquities deserve. I'm thankful. I I don't deserve to be here tonight, but I'm sure grateful. How about you? Let's give the Lord some praise. Hallelujah. Amen. Lamentations chapter 3 and verse 22 says, It is of the Lord's mercies. In case you're wondering why you're sitting here today, it is not because you've got it all together. Although, praise be to God if you got it all together. Amen. You don't need to fall apart just because everybody else is. Amen. It's of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. It's new every morning, amen, that every morning, uh, amen, his mercies are new. Great is his faithfulness. It's not because of anything you and I could do or deserve or earn. That is why we're here today. It is because of the Lord's mercies and because of his compassion that that's the only reason that any of us are here today if we were to rake back the covers of mercy and of grace, amen, there's not one person that could stand here today. There's not one of us that God could look down from heaven and say, I'm going to fill them with my spirit because they deserve it. There's not one person that would be able to enter into the pearly gates and walk upon the streets of gold because there's nobody that in themselves would have earned it or deserved it. But when we think about His mercy, When we think about his grace, I want to tell every person in this house, we are all recipients of the overwhelming, unconditional mercy of God. I think we ought to lift up our hands and worship the Lord for just a moment. I think we ought to thank God for mercy. I don't want mercy to become mundane. I don't want mercy to become old. I don't want mercy. He doesn't even let mercy get old. It's new every day. He renews it. I don't want to let mercy in my mind get mundane and old and ordinary. I want the mercy of God to retain its vigor and retain its vibrance and retain. I'm thankful, amen, that today he had mercy on me, and tomorrow he'll have mercy on me, and last week he had mercy on me, and next year he'll have mercy on me because his mercies endure forever. let's give the Lord some praise in Jesus' name. Praise God. So God has been and is and will always be merciful. God cares about mercy. I want to tell you how much God cares about mercy. James 2 and 13 ends with this phrase that mercy is. Rejoices against or over judgment. If God has a choice between judgment and between mercy, he's going to pick mercy every single time. Hallelujah. There's some that they don't want as the Bible continues. They don't want it. They don't want mercy. They want judgment without mercy. Amen. But God looks at mercy and says it rejoices over judgment. Matthew chapter 9 verses 10 through 13. Amen. There's some Pharisees that come and they ask the disciples, why does your master eat with publicans and sinners? Why is he not with the religious and those that could quote unquote deserve it? And Jesus looked back at them and said uh, that the whole have not need of a physician but those that are sick Uh, and then he rebukes them and says go learn what that means Uh, I will have mercy and not sacrifice Uh, amen for I am not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance Let me help you understand what that means. He's going back to an Old Testament prophecy in the book of Hosea chapter 6 and verse 6, and he's pulling up a principle to rebuke the Pharisees. Uh, The word of the Lord declares, for I desired mercy and not sacrifice, and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. Uh, In other words, uh, if God has to choose between judgment or mercy, he's going to choose mercy. If he has to choose between sacrifice, and burn offerings, he's going to choose mercy above sacrifice and burn offerings. Some people think uh, that if they could do it, they'd do their dance uh, and have no mercy on other people and think that God accepts that sacrifice. Uh, But the Bible declares, if you have aught against your brother, leave your sacrifice, leave your gift at the altar, because God's not even paying attention to your worship. God's not even paying attention to your sacrifice. God's not even paying attention to your burnt offering. Uh, You ought to leave it at the altar and go make it right with your brother, and then come back with your sacrifice uh, because God desires mercy above sacrifice. I think we ought to give God praise here tonight. God cares about mercy. Amen. Matthew 23 and 23 again rebuking the religious. He says, woe unto you strives and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and of anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law. Judgment and mercy and faith, these ought you have to do, have done and not leave the other undone. Now, I know some people have read that and said, well, there's the verse. We don't need to give. That's not what that's saying. He's saying you think that God cares more about your tithe. Hallelujah. Hey, I know where I'm at here today. I know I'm the pastor. But let me tell you, God doesn't care so much about your tithe as he does about you living within judgment been uh, living within mercy Living within faith. There's some people that they threw, I want to just say this, amen, this is not amen in my notes, but there's some people that that think that as long as they have sent money to the kingdom of God or to the church, whether it be here or somebody online that God's pleased with them, but I want to tell you, if you are rejecting the weightier matters of the law, you might as well keep your money, you might as well keep your offering, because God says, no, I'm not interested in only receiving that, I want there to be justice, I want But let me tell you what the verse is saying. He says, you ought to keep doing what you're doing right. Don't undo the right you're doing. He said, but go back and find the justice and go back and find the mercy and go back and find the faith and do that as well. Hallelujah. If God had to choose between judgment and mercy, he would choose mercy every time. If God had to choose, not that there is a choice between it, but if God had to choose between, amen, mercy and sacrifice, he would choose mercy every time. If God had to choose between your worship and your giving, amen, God would choose mercy every single time because God cares about mercy Oh, somebody ought to give God praise in Jesus' name. He said, do both. He said, you ought to do the one you've been doing and not leave the other undone. If you're going to be so minute, they were going into the the spice cabinet to pay tithes on their spices. Amen. I I I haven't met anybody that's done that yet. Praise God. They go in and they find 10% of the cumin and of the... Of the cilantro and uh, the coriander. They've not done that yet. But they were doing that. Amen. They were weighing everything out. And they were making sure it was all in order. Amen. They had everything filled out on the tithing envelope. And yet when it came to being merciful to their brother or to their sister, there was no mercy. And God said, you should do what you've been doing right. Keep doing that. But go back and find justice. Find faith and find mercy. And do that as well. Praise God. Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. He has showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee. Anybody want to know what God requires of you? It's not as complex as we make it. In fact, we have made a metric that is not in the Bible. Amen. We have created amen, ways to know whether or not we're doing good based on what other people think of us. And that's not a metric in the Bible. The Bible says, judge not yourself amongst yourselves, for they that do such are not wise. Amen. Don't judge yourself, amen, how you're doing compared to somebody else because, amen, that'll do the opposite of mercy, amen. You'll look at somebody with a critical eye, and we'll talk about purity at another time, but, amen, you'll look at somebody with an evil eye, and you'll think, well, I'm doing better than them. No, that's not what God requires of you and I. I think if we go back and just do the basics, we'd be a lot more blessed. We'd feel a lot more happy. We'd feel a lot more fulfilled. Amen. If the metric is whether or not you can hit that note, uh, amen, you might fail it every time. If if the metric is, uh, amen, how good you appear to everybody else, uh, you might miss that metric every time. Uh, But if the metric uh, is that you do justly and you love mercy and you walk humbly with your God, I think that some Body, uh, that the king and the peasant can do, the pastor and the saint can do. Everybody's got an equal playing field. Uh, we can all do justly. We can all love mercy, and we can all walk humbly with our God. I think we ought to love him all across this house. Come on. Come on, you want to be blessed tonight? Uh, You just got to live justly. Uh, You got to live according to his word. Uh, You got to love mercy. uh, And you got to walk humbly, uh, circumspectly before your God. Somebody lift up your hands and let's pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Let's magnify the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, it's not that complicated living for God. Amen. In fact, if we would just go back to the basics, I'm telling you, we'd be a lot more blessed. We'd we'd be a lot more fulfilled in our walk with God. Uh, It's not how many minutes you did or did not pray today. Uh, Amen. It's are you trying your best? Uh, Amen. According to the Holy Ghost, to walk in the spirit to walk justly. Uh, Are you a lover of mercy? Uh, Are you always critical of other people? Uh, Amen. Are you you walking humbly before your God, uh, recognizing it's his mercies uh, that are making sure you're not consumed? Uh, It's because of his mercies uh, that are new every morning that you got up today. Uh, Hallelujah. Let's love him. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. And and I I just, it's on my heart because I think in Pentecost, we start looking around. We see the metric of of Pentecost via social media and other people. What are they up to? How are they doing? And we find out and we think that's the metric of success. But that's that's not the metric of success. The car you drive is not the metric of success. The house you live in or don't live in is not the metric of success. How are you walking with God? And how are you walking with your brother? Come on, somebody. The cross was not just vertical. Vertical. Getting you right with God. It was horizontal too. It gets you right with your brother. Amen. I want to tell you, the Holy Ghost won't just cause you to speak in tongues. It'll cause you to apologize. It'll cause you to forgive. Uh, Amen. You won't just shout at church. You'll also say, you know what? I've been a little critical of that individual. I want to love mercy. Luke chapter 6 and verse 36. We read that in our opening today. Be you therefore merciful as your father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Amen. As I've said at the opening, we often hear this quoted when we are taking up an offering. The concept of giving is still in the text. Amen. It's still one of the categories in which is listed. Give and it shall be given. But give can relate to anything that you give out. Or as we would say, anything you dish out. Amen. If you dish it out, it's going to be dished back to you. If you give it out. It's going to be given back to you. If you, there's some people, they dish out money or they give money. Amen. Uh, and then you better believe it. Uh, a giver will be blessed. And that's coming back to them. Uh, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Uh, shall other people give into your bosom? Uh, but there's other people that give out judgment and condemnation and criticism. And you better believe, in the moment you least expect it to come back and hit you, what you have sown, you will also reap. And you'll be thinking, it's unfair, it's unfair, it's unfair. But I want to tell you, the same measure you mete out, it shall be measured again to you. But it doesn't come back exactly as you dished it out. It is pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall other people give back to you what you have given to them. I know we shout about it when it comes to money, amen, that if you give, it's coming back, amen, multiplied, it's coming back exponentially, but what happens if you're an individual that's giving out criticism and judgment, and then a couple months down the road, a couple years down the road, amen, it just seems like nonstop criticism and nonstop judgment and nonstop hatred and nonstop negativity, I want to tell you what's happening. You are living out the Bible. But what would happen if you are a giver of mercy? Oh, I think we ought to love him. What would happen if you were as much as you are critical, you were merciful? I'm going to tell you, you can live out the Bible as well. You can live out the Bible. And if you give mercy, you're not just giving back the mercy that you gave out. It's going to come back to you, pressed down, shaken together. Let me help somebody understand what that means. Amen. When it's pressed down, shaken together. Huh? Amen. It's when you think that the cup is full, but when you shake it, there's still room for more. And then when you shake it, you got a little more room and you fill it up a little more. Huh? Amen. And, and then it's pressed down so that if there wasn't room enough, there's now room for more. This goes for everything from giving. Huh? This goes to judgment. This goes to criticism. Huh? But it also goes to beautiful things like love huh? and like mercy. uh, that if you give out love and you give out mercy, uh, it may not feel like it in the moment because there has yet to be uh, a shaking. Uh, It has yet to come back to you because right now it's being pressed down. Uh, But eventually, uh, amen, you're going to get an exponential amount of love, uh, an exponential amount of mercy, an exponential amount of goodness, uh, an exponential amount of grace, uh, and it's not coming from heaven. Uh, It's coming from somebody just like, You oh, I think we ought to love him. It's coming from somebody uh, that you least expect it uh, because you were merciful over here. Somebody else uh, is gonna be merciful over here when you need it the most. Oh, let's love him all across this house. Come on, let's 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 love Jesus. Let's love Jesus. Come on. You're going to receive it with interest. You're going to receive it with some capital gains. You're going to receive it, and more is coming back than that which you gave out. It's a great investment. Be merciful. It's a great investment. Be loving. It's a great investment. Be kind. It's a great investment. Oh, somebody love him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, God. Hallelujah. 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 You know why most people don't invest in mercy? Because it doesn't come back right away. Amen. This is why most people live under the Old Testament law. What I'd call the bronze rule. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You took my eye, I'm going to take yours. That's the law of retribution. Do unto others as they have done unto you. That's the world we live in today. Amen. An eye for an eye, somebody said, makes the whole world go blind. You live in that rule where now somebody's done wrong to you. Uh, somebody said that, that revenge is best served cold. <laughs> Praise God. Uh, there, there's that idea that somehow you're going you're gonna to feel good when you get revenge. You want to know why we love revenge? Because it feels good. Don't blink at me. Hallelujah. Oh, no, I, I don't believe in revenge. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. Yep, you think that until you feel like being vengeful. Hallelujah! We're just we're just talking where we're living. Praise God. I'll just speak about where I live, and so y'all can think the pastor's unholy. I'm telling you, there's times, man. I would love to get back at some folk. Thankfully, nobody in the house of the Lord. At least not today. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> praise God. I'd love to get them back, and let me tell you. You ever had an argument with somebody, and then? You say a couple things, and it feels good to get off your chest. Hey Amen. You know, unfortunately, you can't bring those words back. But let's just talk about it. For the next week, you're in the shower, and you're thinking, man, I should have said. Next time I get the opportunity, I'm, you know, and sometimes you have a, you have a greater moment in your head than you ever had in that moment. And you're thinking, oh, if I ever got the chance to get them back, that's, oh, they embarrass me. I can't wait to embarrass them. Oh, I think there's an opportunity coming up. And oh, when I talk to them next and I sit down, I'll, I can't wait to, uh, Aben to unload on. Them. I can't wait. Uh, Amen. Well, they told this secret about me. They told this about me. Oh, I've got all this stuff stashed about them that I can't wait to let out when the right person asks me some good old juicy gossip. Come on, somebody. Just act like I'm up here by myself. Because revenge sounds good. And revenge feels good but nobody likes revenge to happen to them. Come on, It feels good to punch your enemy in the eye. Anybody got a school bully? Nothing like it. You just come rear back, punch him in the face, and, man, you feel like you're on top of the world, WWF champion of the world. And yet nothing, amen, bursts your bubble when the bully punches back. And now... It's no longer I got your eye. It's now they got your eye. And now you're both swollen. Revenge doesn't feel good when it comes back to you. Neither does judgment. Neither does criticism. Neither does condemnation. Let's jump up and get a little bit better. What about the golden rule? Do unto others as you would have them or want them to do unto you. This is redistribution. You get something that comes your direction I think this is good and you redirect that energy into something else you don't necessarily forgive them you just redirect it and you start hey amen you start thinking that wasn't that didn't feel very good and so I'm going to start treating them at least the way I like to be treated but the problem with this is some people think if I dish that out I have no problem with somebody coming back on me so the golden rule is a little tarnished as well because you think to yourself Well, you know, if I talked like that about somebody, I wouldn't be opposed to them talking back to me like that. Come on, somebody. And so we live that redistribution and so hurting people hurt people and it just continues on and maybe I don't send it back exactly how you send it to me, but I send it back in what I would feel is a little more palatable way. And this is me p- taking judgment in my own hand uh, and making it, forming it in the image in which I would receive. Uh, and I take it and I throw it back on you, but at the end of the day you're still going to be hurt by it. And then there's the platinum rule which is one we all must strive to live by, and that's redemption. Do unto others as I have done unto you. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Because God always intended, with how much he loves mercy, that mercy would be reciprocal. Amen. That mercy, what came down from heaven would not just go back up to heaven, but what comes down from heaven in the form of mercy would then spread itself amongst yourselves, and it would spread itself among brethren and spread itself from enemy to enemy, and I'll have mercy upon you because I recognize as my Father in heaven has mercy, I've got to be full of mercy as well. Somebody clap your hands and give the Lord. Some praise. In fact, let's stand across the building. This is a lot easier to talk about than it is to live. Can I just be honest with you? To love people the way that Jesus loves us means a couple things. Number one, we must recognize that we are not Jesus and we will mess up. So have mercy on yourself. But secondly, Amen. You are filled with the Holy Ghost and the same love of God that is in Jesus Christ is inside you by the Holy Ghost. And you have the ability to be merciful one to another. You are striving, you are trying, and that's all God is asking of you and I to do. In what areas can I be more merciful? In what areas? I think the third thing that I would say is this, that we must have a revelation Of how merciful God has been to us. If we ever plan on being merciful to other people. He said do unto others as I have done unto you. And if you and I do not have a true revelation of what he's really done unto us. We can never do it to other people. Hallelujah. If we realize how much he really loved us. Amen. It helps us to love other people that way. But if we do not have a revelation of how merciful he's really been. Amen. Hallelujah. Well he didn't have to forgive me a whole lot. You just don't have a revelation of how much he had to forgive, amen, because there's others that just because they have what you would consider a cardinal sin, amen, you've got a, a, a pet sin that's just as bad in the eyes of God, and both needed mercy, and both needed grace, and both needed forgiveness. And all we need is a revelation of how much he had to forgive. Matthew 18 and 21, Peter's real slick. Peter comes to Jesus not thinking before he speaks. And said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Because, of course, Peter would never see it in the light that he's going to be the one that needs forgiveness. Because we never see it in the light that we're going to be the ones that need mercy. We're going to be the ones that need forgiveness because at the moment we think about it, we're doing pretty good. And so he says, how often shall I forgive him? Until seven times? That sounds pretty good to me. I think some people at least need to get to the number seven. Praise God. Amen. If you ain't got seven fingers, just count your toes as well. Praise God. At least count to seven to forgive somebody. Jesus said unto him, I say not unto you until seven times, but until 70 times seven now, Jesus wasn't giving him a math problem, although he was a fisherman. And, amen. In those days, when wasn't much education. In fact, in Acts chapter 4, they said he was ignorant and unlearned. Amen. So he probably couldn't calculate 70 times 7. But what Jesus was really saying is for the exact same thing. If they do it to you over and over and over again, if you have to get your calculator out 70 times 7, you keep on forgiving Seven in numerology is a number of perfection. He's not even talking about numbers. He's talking about that God's forgiveness is perfect. That if we really looked at God's forgiveness, we would see it from that standpoint, that his forgiveness is perfect. There is no number on God's forgiveness for you and me. So therefore, when we have mercy one to another, when we have mercy with our spouse we have mercy with a brother or sister in the church when we have mercy with a co-worker when we have mercy with a neighbor when we have mercy on the person that cuts us off on the way when we're late to this that or the other amen when we have mercy on them, we must remember that God's mercies are new every day his mercy endures forever that his mercy never fails and his mercy continues to keep going for you and I Jesus then tells a parable Matthew 18, 23, 35. We won't read it today. You can read it when you get home. There's a parable of two debtors. One owed the king 10,000 talents, and one owed his fellow servant 100 pence or 100 denarii. To put that in modern terms, one denarii was the average wage for a laborer per day. They'd make one dollar a day if I could put it in modern terms. So 100 denarii was one third of the year's salary. That's what this one man owed to his brother, what he owed to his neighbor, what he owed to his friend. Take your salary in your mind and take a fourth of that. a quarter of the year, take four months and say, okay, or take, take a couple months and say, this is my salary. That's what I'm indebted. For some people, that'd be a house loan. For other people, that'd be a car loan. For some people, that'd be a credit card payment. And that is what he owed to his brother. Now, suppose you made the same amount of money, but you're the other debtor. You earn a dollar a day. Approximately three hundred dollars a year. Let's just use simple math. After twenty years of labor, you finally earn six thousand denarii. Man, you're you're rich. At this point, the king would come to you, and he would say, "Pay me what you owe me." And you say, "Oh, no problem. I have six hundred, six thousand dollars, six thousand denarii." And he would say, well, you owe me 10,000 talents and that only equals one talent. He worked for 20 years and only earned one talent. To put that in perspective, to earn the other 9,999 talents, it would take him 200,000 years to pay the king back. If you and I ever get a revelation of how much mercy he really had on us, that I could not pay it back in 200,000 years of just the little bit that Jesus forgave me of. And you think for a moment, the Bible tells us in that parable, that the king forgave the man of 10,000 talents of gold. 200,000 years of manual labor. He forgave it. He said, I forgive you. That'd be the equivalent of 7 point something billion dollars today. Forgave it. There's some folks in the house. You just like your car be paid off. Praise God. You just like your house to be paid off. He forgave so much more than that. More than all of us in this building have. Unless you do have it, praise God. Let me know. In Jesus name. Forgives it all. And you think that this man would leave that building and he would go and shout and dance. He'd go and he'd go and realize I don't have to sell. Amen. I'm not going to prison. My family's not going to be thrown apart. I I get to go and I get to continue on in my business. And now I'm dead free and every dollar I make is mine. No, for the Don, you ready? No, no, don't attack me for the Worley. The Bible says he went out and found his brother that only owed a couple hundred dollars, a couple thousand dollars. He owes billions. He grabs him by the throat, pins him against the wall, and says, pay me what you owe me. Forgetting of how much he was forgiven. Is it really worth it in light the mercy God has shown to you and I is it really worth it to hold a grudge is it really worth it to look down on that person is it really worth it to you because the Bible declares the king heard I forgave you in private nobody saw it and look what you did in public to your brother for those that believe in once saved always saved I got a verse for you He said, bring that man that owed me $10,000 back that I straightly forgave and had mercy upon. He said, everything I forgave you of in the past tense, you owe it again. And he brought it back upon him. The unmerciful will obtain no mercy. But when you invest yourself in being merciful one with another, when are you merciful? When it's in your power to be merciful. When they don't have power over you. Let me talk about it in terms we'll all understand. When you forgive somebody, you really free yourself. You really free yourself when you forgive somebody. You really, let, you really liberate yourself when you forgive somebody else. You really obtain mercy when you forgive them and show them mercy. But what happens when you're the one that needs forgiveness? And you are powerless to obtain it unless they give it freely. It is their responsibility to show you mercy. If that person does not show you mercy, they will not obtain mercy. But if they look in that moment and say this isn't even about you this isn't even about what you did to me this isn't about how I was offended this isn't even about how I was bitter I'm going to forgive you because it's going to free me I'm going to have mercy on you so that one day when I need mercy the most I will obtain mercy there's some folks in the house of the Lord when it comes to mercy it's time to be a little selfish praise God Start forgiving people because it ain't even about them. Start loving people because it ain't even about them. Start being kind to people because ultimately it's not even about them. What are you doing? You're saying, Lord, I'll be merciful because there's going to come a day I'm going to need mercy. And, Lord, I'm going to sow it and it's going to come back to me pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall other people give mercy back unto me? Let's lift up our hands and let's pray. I'm, I'm preaching. Come on, let's pray all across this house. Come on. We're the ones that owed... Amen, 200,000 years of labor. We're the ones that owed God, amen, a, a lifetime and then some of labor and of work, and we couldn't pay it back, and we couldn't pay it off, and he straightly forgave us. We're the ones that have obtained mercy from heaven that we could not obtain any other way than that he just chose to have a mercy on us. How much more should you and I let go of the grudge? How much more should you and I forgive? How much more should you and I... Forgive and love and have mercy. I want to open up this altar. Would you come down to the front? In this I moment, we're having an opportunity to, to obtain mercy lost. from God. But it's not just Let to obtain it and, it, and miss, it and collect it and collect it and collect it. And so we get so full of mercy, we have more to share. We I have mercy to share.
1: to come rescue me. When mercy heard my plea And Lord your me, pray. You healed me You called me through the grave You gave me a real love I thank you Jesus You Come on you've been forgiven of so
0: much You can forgive that person that hurt you. you You can, can forgive can that person that wronged free. you
1: You can have mercy on them That's what your mercy did for me. your mercy did for me Lord you found me you healed me you called me from the grave you gave me a real love thank you Jesus you washed my sins away now I am living like I'm forgiven that's what your
0: mercy did for me come on that's it let's pray all across this house is anybody thankful for the mercy that you have received he has filled you with mercy not just so you and i can be reservoirs of mercy for ourselves and ourselves alone but so that we could be a river of mercy to other people Hallelujah. We have been filled with mercy so we might fill other people with mercy and fill them with love and fill them with kindness as well. Let's pray.
1: Your mercy
0: did for me. Praise God. Praise God. I read a quote today. It says forgiveness or mercy is giving up my right to hurt you back for hurting me. I'm relinquishing my right to revenge to notice the beautiful things that come from mercy in Genesis 39 the Lord the Bible says showed mercy unto Joseph with the jailer and in Genesis 45 when his brothers came the ones that threw him in the pit the very reason he went to prison they lied on him they ripped up his coat of many colors because they were envious of him He had power over them and could have had every last one of them killed. But in Genesis 45, Joseph showed mercy to his brethren. He completed the cycle of mercy. David, before he's king, is running in a wilderness because Saul keeps trying to pin him to the wall. For accusations that aren't even true. Trying to say that David's trying to steal the throne. David wasn't trying to steal the throne. He was just trying to serve Saul. And he tried to pin him to the wall. And so David's running for his life. And he meets Saul in a cave with his sword in hand. And Saul is defenseless. He's now got the upper hand of power. And there's going to come a day where every person in this building has got that upper hand of power. But never forget, there's going to come a day where somebody else is going to have the upper hand of power. And it might very well be that you're going to obtain that which you dished out. And instead of showing Saul the retribution and the revenge that he felt in his heart, he showed mercy to Saul. And years later, God sends David a prophet And he tells him the story of a shepherd and some sheep. Speaking about his adulterous affair with Bathsheba. And the murder of a man by the name of Uriah. And he looks at him and says, you are the man. And David's given an opportunity to receive mercy from the Lord. I wonder today if David would have received that mercy. If he wouldn't have shown that mercy to Saul. I don't believe he would have. I believe that it was this act of being merciful. That caused him to receive mercy. And that's why the Bible later declares that God will give. The sure mercies of David. Because mercy is reciprocal. It is a cycle. And God will keep pouring out mercy to you brother Jonathan. As long as you will pour it back out. We are to be rivers of mercy, not just reservoirs. We are to be full of mercy. And when somebody wrongs us, what does that look like? There will come a time when somebody's going to do something that you are offended by. You are bitter by. There's going to be some people that are going to cause great hurt. For some people, it's because they got somebody divorced them. Somebody committed adultery on them. There's some very painful things. You're going to have the upper hand. Choose mercy. Choose mercy. Because if you choose mercy, mercy will choose you as well. Lift up your hands and let's pray all across this house. I'm done. Let's pray as God would help us. Father, we love you. We thank you today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the mercy that you have shown to us. God, in light of the mercy that you've given to us, I I have no right to hold a grudge against anybody else. Amen, according to the mercy that you have shown to me in my life, I don't even deserve to be up here tonight. Amen, God, and I pray, Lord, help me to be a merciful individual that when somebody comes to church and, God, they fall and they fail, God, help me to remember the times that I fell and I failed, God, that you picked me up and you had mercy upon me, God. Help me to have mercy and grace for my brethren and my sisters, God. I pray, Lord, help me to have mercy upon my neighbor, God. Help me to have mercy upon my enemy, people that maybe have purposely gone to wrong me i pray lord give us that that spirit of mercy in jesus wonderful name and everybody said amen hallelujah shake hands be friendly love one another amen we will see you amen for the married folk we'll see you on friday night praise god in jesus name god bless you